Hello friends of Soul Kitchen, my name is Jasper Mutsaert. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach and wisdom seeker. With this podcast I thrive to inspire people to live their quest. Soul Kitchen is a place where we gather and share stories that empower us to move through emotional healing and work on our personal growth to contribute to a better world. With Soul Kitchen I'm interviewing people that excite me and once in a while I will also share my own experiences and reflections. Each episode provides you with a recipe so you can live your quest. What is your quest? Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to this new episode with my dear friend, Shors Boulars. Hey, Jasper. Hey, Shors, good to see you, man. I uh, keep on bumping into Shors uh, in life. I think we met 10 years ago while we were working for an Ethiopian coffee startup, Moyi Coffee. We're doing a marketing campaign together. Then a friendship emerged. We found out that we have some things in common, like we have been strategy consultants in the past. We have adventurous spirits. We've been part of the same student union, and we had this desire to follow our own path. So we became friends. We traveled to Portugal, to the Web Summit, and to Spain. And um, at some point, we lost touch a little bit. And then I saw you on Facebook sharing uh, posts about Tantra and meditation and breathwork, and they intrigued me. And then I started joining uh, sessions of uh, Shore. So he really introduced me to the to the tantric path. And for and for a little while, you were for sure our most enthusiastic uh, participant and ambassador, Jasper. Ah, uh, during the, during the Corona days, uh, you were the most frequent visitor. I uh, I I can I can think. It's that's that's true. I um when I when I get fanatic about something, I get really really excited. Yes. But I'm, um, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you uh, today. I mean, we can start with a question like, "What's a life in you right now?" Yeah, good question. Where did you learn it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I actually don't know where you learned it. Maybe you picked it up somewhere else because it's not exclusive. So I learned um, this. Quite- I learned this question actually from you and from Tantra that it's actually really important to be aware of what's alive in you right now instead of like the past and the future. So yeah, I'm curious, what's alive in you right now? Um, Yeah, I'm sitting here quite bubbly. A bit of tension in my head. I'm transitioning from a session I just gave, which was here in real life now contact via the screen so i feel my eyes are a bit squinting um and adjusting to oh yeah we're really here it's not like i'm not watching a movie i'm here sitting with you um opening up to this conversation yeah making saying that i relax a little bit more like hey we're also just two friends sharing about life and that's i feel some warmth in my heart when i say that Mm. and yeah you mentioned we are we've had different relationships right because we've been friends uh, but at some point you also became my teacher in the tantra retreats uh, so to say i also became a customer in that sense so how do you look at the different relationships we've we've had yeah that's it's It's a sensitive topic, actually, because um, in a 
way I like to keep these things a little bit separate. Um, I think for as a participant for a retreat, um, there is value in having the full space to show yourself with all beautiful and ugly sides and let go of past uh, structures and past um, uh, th ways of doing things and stepping into something new and and then um, having a friendship also with the staff uh, can keep you a little bit in the old maybe you know it from or if I speak from my own experience if I meet old friends from uh, back in the days and I develop some new sides of myself that can feel a little bit awkward like okay now I'm all of, all of a sudden wearing different clothes I'm talking with different words different language I have different interests that can be a little bit like ooh, am I really um, ready to show up with it and um, that also can happen when yeah in, and that in a way might have influenced uh us as well um, and i think i think we did it quite elegantly like really saying okay for this week you're really a participant there's no loyal like you can let go of the friendship for a week and uh, for me too i try to approach you as a participant and uh, after then we can see how the friendship evolves and but that's the that's the that's the surprising thing, or like at least the joyful thing. We keep coming back apparently. So happy with that. No, I'm happy also with how that worked out. And sometimes, maybe you meet people for a reason, and relationships uh, de develop in different directions. And how is that for you as a tantra teacher and entrepreneur? Because the people that you work with in your retreats or in your coaching sessions. You also probably develop like informal or personal relationships with them because it's a very personal field. So how do you hold that space where where personal stuff and maybe business is so connected? Um, so I try to keep them separate as much as possible. And um, I also seeing um, in the first period of Tara Academy and my, my work as a therapist and a Tantra facilitator, there was a bit more, I don't know, started from my own inner circle. So I started to invite friends. And so it was quite logical that it were a bit more friends in the beginning. Nowadays, it's uh, much less, almost none. So all my therapy clients are, I don't know, people that have that I don't have a relationship uh, an historic relationship with um, and actually I like that because I also had to learn the hard way that in one specific case I uh, uh, somebody I knew from a business context and a friendship context started to doing uh, also started to do therapy with me and that became a bit messy and uh, because these fields they started to intermingle and there I learned like this is uh, not contributing to the safety of the therapy. And um, so over the years, I've been, I become more strict with it actually. Also say no to friends if they want to come. Um, yeah. I understand. So you try to uh, separate it as much as, uh, as possible. And um, maybe let's take a step back because now you're a Tantra teacher. Uh, you're starting to become more uh, known in the field. 
and more uh, established. But how did you enter this uh, path initially? And of course, you you shared this story with me before, but I'm really, uh, I think for the listeners, it's an interesting story. Like how did you move from philosophy to strategy consultant, to startups, to Tentra? Tell us more. Yeah, I think underneath all these these faces and directions, there's the same longing, like the longing for life and a longing to live life fully. And um, sort of the, the drama of my constitution is that I, at the same time, have a very sensitive and maybe even sensual soul that wants to drink it all in. Um, but also at uh, a certain age, I started to shut my body down more and more and more because i don't know it was also difficult to feel and scary to feel and um, much safer to just think with the head about what you um, think of certain things so in my youth over the years i started to shut down the body more and more so then that caught me a bit in a in attention so at the same time i wanted to approach life directly but i couldn't really feel it um and I needed more bigger and bigger and bigger, um, how do you say that, inputs to feel alive. So I don't know. At a certain moment, I saw myself going downhill on a skateboard. Well, I'm not the best skateboarder. Just to feel the rush of being alive. Or I went windsurfing and kitesurfing on the ocean with like too much wind and sailing across oceans just to feel the thrill of aliveness. And um, also in business to to like take big risks and go go all in and work my ass off just to feel the rush of maybe success will come. And um, so this dr- I was drawn to this intensity, but I f- also felt like it doesn't really stick. So it doesn't really fulfill me. And uh, I started to get more and more unrestful actually. And that's where meditation and um, yoga came into my life and later also tantra because i realized like hey wait a second i have to learn how to feel i have to learn how to let it into my body otherwise i can keep upping the input but if nothing sticks then i still will feel empty um so that's a why uh, from which longing tantra came uh, came into my life and was it a slow process or was there one specific point like a breakdown moment when you really entered this path? <laughs> um, it came very gradual and then all of a sudden it <laughs> took fire. So, um, yeah, I would I, first maybe a little bit of a background. I was uh, um, starting a fruits company, some frozen mangoes on a stick. Um, a healthy variant on uh, on ice cream and on paper it was all doing i was doing very fine and the business sort of uh came from the ground and we were on festivals and my i don't know friends and girlfriends they were there selling the ice creams and pineapple bikinis and it looked all beautiful on instagram but from inside i felt like nah, nah. and uh then a burnout came and then i uh, uh, I had to learn how to feel more and meditation helped a lot but I also realized meditation helps me when I'm on the pillow 
when I'm sitting in meditation, I feel very clear and very centered. But when I went into, I don't know, aesthetic dance or a party and I met a woman I liked, whoop, all of a sudden I was back in my old defense mechanisms. So I figured out like meditation is not going to do it for me. That's that's too gentle a process. Um, and something has to be healed in the contact with me and other people, but especially in women. Um, because back then I did have sexual contact, but it wasn't so fulfilling also. It was like a quick peek and then sort of, okay, now it's done. And it wasn't really satisfying me. Uh, so for a few years, I heard about Tantra and I had all these wild ideas about it. Okay, that's where people have orgies and everybody makes love with everybody. And somewhere in the back of my head, if I'm really honest, that attracted me. I thought, oh, that must be amazing to <laughs> be able to experience that all and have that abundance and freedom and all people that want to make, make out with each other. Um, so I was a little bit curious towards it and I started to exploring some workshops. And that was great to have that sexual freedom. But I also felt like, yeah, wait a second. This is not really spiritual practice. This feeds into my hedonistic uh, sides of myself, that side that just wants to have pleasure. And um, so I missed some depth in that field. Um, and um, then I bumped into a teacher from the Center for Tantra. It's an institute in Amsterdam. And there I felt like, yes, here I feel depth and here I feel solidity and a proper basis. Um, so I did their introduction week and then it caught fire. Like I came back from that retreat and I realized this is what I want. And this is not something I want just for the weekend or like uh, once a few years, a couple of times a year. This is what I want as a basis of life. This truthfulness in relating, this truthfulness in every moment, um, the sensuality that also has, has its place there. Um, that was my antidote for the dry, uh, from the chin down, locked off consultants that I, um, uh, I had become. So then it, uh, things evolved pretty rapidly. I did the introduction week and uh, started their year training. And then uh, I thought, okay, in these retreats, I learned many, many cool things. Many of my friends would love it, but would love it. But not many friends are as crazy enough to go to these kind of retreats because there were all likes of superstitions. Like, yeah, I come there with my girlfriend and then, you know, it gets one big mess. And, uh, um, so then I thought, how cool would it be to make an an app, um, an, an accessible way for people to get to know Tantra, uh, but in a safe way that they can practice from their own bedroom. Um, so that's where it then started. First, Tara um, was an app. And uh, I don't know if you know the app Headspace. That's a meditation app. I know the app. I uh, used it for a while and I'm, I'm quite uh, competitive so that... They have a gamification element where you can have a streak of meditations. Boom. So that worked for me uh, for a while until I found some other meditation. But uh, go ahead about it. Yeah. But that that's exactly yeah. what I think Headspace does well. To, to use modern techniques to 
get people to meditate and to just slowly build it up. So we thought, how cool would it be to make something like that for Tantra? Um, and that's what we started developing and we started the company. And um, But I also realized at a certain moment, wait, no, uh, this is not something I want to produce in a digital way. This is something I would like to uh, experience in real life more. So um, we stopped developing the app and we focused more on real life workshops. Because um, you mentioned um, the truthfulness, that's what you really uh, wanted as a basis for life. And during the Tantra exercises and retreats, I've also experienced this truthfulness where you really learn to communicate your truth without being scared for the outcome or the response of the other yeah, person. If, if you're scared to bring that into the field to express it. Yeah, no, that's a good point to even bring in like, hey, I'm scared to say this, but I feel, I feel this. But how would you explain that truthfulness as a part of a Tantra? Because for me, it's always difficult to explain to other people how that works. And also, is it possible to explain or is it only possible when you experience it? Well, the truth. Yeah, the truthfulness that you experience in Tantra. Do you feel that's something that you can explain in a podcast or does it need to be experienced? Mm. That's a, it's, it's a beautiful question, actually. What is the role of truth in Tantra? Um, first of all, I don't think truth is something that is, or the seeking of truth is something that is exclusive to Tantra. I think in many spiritual practices and, and, and traditions, that's a very central central line or orientation. Um, I what I like about Tantra is that it's quite radical in its truth seeking. So what I encountered a lot in the more new agey spiritual yoga scenes, um, and also the new agey tantra scenes, that there is a big emphasis on the shiny side uh, of life. So trying to attract beautiful things and beautiful lovers and a lot of money and I don't know what what else you want to mani manifest and let's focus on that and if we just make positive affirmations all day then life will be an endless stream of joy and pleasure um, that for, in my experience that got me uh, somewhere like it's very nice and especially for people who are very um, under the influence of negative self-thought and very like more in a depressed state of being they can be super helped by positive affirmations and to get them out of the minus into the sort of the positive uh, area of the skill. But the problem is it still makes you dependent. You're still dependent on positive affirmations or on uh, things going well. And for me, that's not freedom. That, that still sounds like dependency to me. And in the path of Tantra, I encountered such beautiful practices and teachings to go beyond the dependency, even of positive thinking, um, so that we can really be free. And for me, that's the whole orientation of the spiritual path, is to be in full acceptance of what is, and not only in full acceptance of what is, if it's positive, um, but in full acceptance of what is, whatever the circumstances, being in the height of life or in the mud that you still can be 
Yeah, in true full, I don't want it to be any other way as it is. And if you look back at your life, what has been a truth for you that you wanted to communicate with someone else that was maybe painful, but but you wanted to accept? The truth for me that I wanted to communicate it was painful. Um, let me think. What comes up is what's sometimes very painful for me if to, if I have to acknowledge that things I think I do for love are actually a subtle form of manipulation. That I, in friendship or in love life, that I, for example, I was thinking about the word I love you or the phrase I love you. In my relationship, I sometimes felt it. Like I felt the words coming up, I love you. Um, but the feel, the felt sense of it was not like an open, extensive, I love you and I give you all the space in the world. But it was more like, oh, I love you, I need you. And what I found difficult to communicate was that actually what I'm doing with uttering the phrase, I love you, is hoping that you will soften off and find me more attractive. And so you come closer to me. So what's really true there is that it's not I love you, but in this moment, I need you. I need comforting. I feel fragile and weak. And can you hold me for a second? So, um, yeah, that was one example from the recent, recent past where I felt, hey, I would like to keep the phrase I love you clean. And, mm. and and uh, not inflate it uh, or what uh, is it deflate it and muddle it up by mixing or using it for other other needs mm. so i i recognize that i think in the past i've sometimes used it to keep the kind of a situation as it is to avoid yeah. maybe difficult conversation or to avoid trouble mm. kind mm. of like oh i love you and then we can kind of move on yeah, I love you, and I move on. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So, yeah, I love you, and um, instead of uh, I need you, yeah, I think I think that's a good good example. And um, another question related to this topic of truth is: I've noticed, or you you have actually shared with me that um, during your your life, sometimes you have maybe uh, departed from certain friends and and welcomed new friends. But you've made shifts, uh, maybe more than some other people. Like, how do you look back at this part? Mm. Yeah, I think what you're referring to is, for example, me quitting the student union or the fraternity I was in quite in a radical way. Um, looking back on it, I can feel my the pain I was experiencing that moment and also maybe even the panic. Like... There was a certain moment where I realized, like, I'm surrounded by men and also women that they don't really see me and I don't really see them. And we are just hanging out because we ended up together. But is there true love and and appreciation and do we make each other grow? And 
I felt like no, I'm I'm living in a story. I'm, I'm live here with these friends because I I'm supposed to like them. And, but the difficulty was I was so stuck in that story that I for years I tried to from within sort of change it or to bend it towards something that was more nourishing for me. But I just couldn't. I was so entangled in untruthfulness that I couldn't feel myself anymore, my own path and my own truth. So at a certain moment, I had to sort of cut the cables quite clean to <gasps> take a breath and land in myself again. Um, that's when I went sailing for a couple of years to get let go of the Amsterdam student life and um, and find find some sense of selfhood again. And I'm grateful that I did it, but it was also very painful. And uh, um, I think from my more mature point of view now, uh, I wouldn't have done it the same. Or now it doesn't have, I don't have to do it in this way. I can, in a more connecting way, say goodbye to somebody, to a lover or to a friend, or because it feels complete. And then also, so, yeah, make sure that there's this form of closure that feels healing and complete. So, so instead of radically leaving, it's more like consciously kind of closing and thanking. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, if possible, I, I would choose for that. Yeah. And I see myself choosing for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, on the one hand, I, I, I feel it's a bit radical what, what you've done in, in this case. But on the other hand, I also admire it because sometimes when you make clear decisions, you, you also open up for new opportunity instead of like accumulating so many people. Um, so do you also see it as a move that was necessary for you to evolve to the, the version you are now? Definitely, yeah. And it was not something I deliberately choose. It was such just an inner urge, like I just have to get away here. I I, don't, I can't I can't stand it anymore. And so it was uh, it was that's something that came from from within. Yeah. So it was unavoidable in a, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For me, sometimes I. Um, uh, I let things evolve and then I see if people still reach out to me. And sometimes it's also a two-way street, right? That if you let things, uh, I don't know the, the English word, but if you let things be a bit and sometimes mm -hmm. it happens uh, automatically, but yeah, sometimes you need to take action. I'm curious, you're a Tantra teacher and Tantra is also about relationships and you've been in, in multiple relationships in, in, in the past, but I think you're also in, in a current relationship. How do you apply your own tantric experiences in day-to-day -day life with your partner? Mm. Um, interesting. And I look, I sort of, I'm attuning to our relationship in this moment. And uh, Yeah, I think that this, the central work there is also truth. And, and to, I have one big, commitments stating like on my commitment list to, to her that I will be as truthful as I can be in each and every moment and um, for me after having looked in many different directions that's the only thing that stays above the water or that stays stable like in the end of the day that what keeps it all clean 
and um, that's sometimes scary because that means I will have to say things that I think are harmful for her or for me or if I say this I make it bigger um, yeah so for example I had um, a couple of weeks ago a big fear of uh, her leaving me and there was this really really sticky thought in my head like but if I say this it will be like a self-fulfilling prophecy so if I say I'm afraid you will leave me she might get inspired and <laughs> and leave me. <laughs> so I better just, you know, sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not there. That's like what the my old pattern uh, would say. But then I really have to over and over again, have, have to land in the experience of being received with it. And um, so it was very healing for me to be able to share that, like, actually, I'm afraid that you will leave me um, in this moment. And for her then to be able to say uh, and feel like that's not really the case. I'm just angry or I feel some connect disconnectedness or some distance. Um, so, yeah, the commitment to truth. Um, that's that's a big, that's a biggie. And uh, that leads f by itself to seeing our relationship not as like a safe haven to cover up each other's um, defects but as a field of becoming more of what we already are to shine brighter and live more fully and learn about life and about each other and about ourselves and that commitment to truth that is kind of at a macro level what you want but at a micro level what type of exercises or practices for instance in tantra i learned uh, the sharing exercise, which is very powerful uh, because I have to share what what's alive in me and the other person has to share. Can you share a bit like what exercises you do or practices? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, nonviolent communication is, is super key. It has um, like, it is not coming from a tantric tradition, but it has a very, uh, the, the philosophies behind it are very much aligned. So um it's about owning your own need and owning your own perspective on reality and not making the other person responsible for preventing that you are hurt, for example. Um, so we do a lot of clearings, uh, we call them, uh, stating, hey, actually, I this is when you didn't text me back uh, in two days. I actually felt a lot of pain and loneliness and i was shrinking and shriveling in and i was afraid that you would leave me and that it was all over um, and um, my need is to feel a safety safety base so and that you will explicitly say so when that safety base is um getting uh in sight or when we're going under like a lower level that you will say so so that if i don't hear it that i can relax and in the knowing that we're still good that would be a way of in that way i would i'm owning my desires instead of you're such a uh, i don't know you always disappear and uh you're such an irresponsible um girlfriend and uh, why don't you text me back and this is all ridiculous then i put it onto her 
So we try to own our desires and our needs, um, which I think is a absolutely critical second part of the commitment to truth. Because you can commit to truth and just dump everything on your partner. Like, I think you're this and this and this, and I judge you for this and this and this and this. Um, and that doesn't really lead to healing relationships. That just leads to a lot of acting out. Um, so for me, commitment to truth has to be balanced with a commitment to owning my own shit as good as it get, I can. Um, so they go, uh, they go together. And mm. One without the other gets a bit messy. So it's really about owning your own shit and communicating that in a, in a non-violent way where you share your own stuff instead of like projecting it on the other. Um, I can imagine that's quite scary if you have to say like, I'm afraid you will leave me. I would also think that that's kind of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Uh, but is that what deepens the relationship that you're always looking for more truth until you're kind of scared to, to share it? Um, well, the interesting experience for me was that I thought if I will say this, that I'm actually afraid that she will leave me. She will be like scared for me. It's like, oh, there we go. Codependency. Oh, Lord, no. Run for the hills. We got to <laughs> cut it now because you're such an immature, emotional wreck and I can't be in a relationship with you. That was the fear. What was actually, um, or and, and with me, like holding that off for, my, for myself, she was actually feeling a lot of distance because she couldn't feel me where I was. And I, and it was very logical because I didn't share anything about it. Um, so she felt the distance. And I felt like, oh, I've got to hold this and solve it all for myself, go to my man's circle, go to my therapist and work it all through. And then when I'm ready, step back into the relationship, which means it meant a lot of distance. So actually what happened is when I expressed it, we felt a lot of closeness again. And uh, she could actually feel me in my fragility there, my insecurity and hear me in it. And she also could see that I was able to hold it myself. Um, which actually yeah. led to a lot of closeness. Yeah, so you're showing your mature self by kind of holding it, communicating it, instead yeah. of hiding. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes that's not possible, right? Sometimes we are in our in our connecting from our inner wounded childs, and that's and it's not possible to, um, yeah, to 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 act from our mature selves, and. That's for me something I'm learning that I'm then also that I can own. Mm. So I can say and be aware, like I see myself being triggered as fuck. Um, I feel I'm completely like looking through the lens of my wounded child. So I'm no, I'm not really a forrede vatbar. What's the English? <laughs> I don't know what it is in English. Um, so I'm not really responsible. Uh, like, you, like I know I will, I'm acting a little bit, I'm overreacting but also that I can bring in. And then she can decide like, okay, I feel space for meeting your wounded inner child or let's talk about today, tomorrow, or I'd rather have you talking about this with your therapist. And um, then, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's one caveat that I would like to address here. Um, and that's the uh, addiction to processes in relationships. So 
<laughs> and I'm guilty, guilty as charged. Um, what does that mean? Addicted to processes? Um, well, for me, being kind of a seeker uh, and a poker and an investigator and having um, a longing for intimacy, but that's not something that comes absolutely nat natural for me or hasn't been natural for me always. One way to feel some sort of closeness is to work to emotional stuff with my partner. Um, and for many years, that was the best way of intimacy I had available. So um, working to emotional processes and then having a fight and then having the release and coming together again, that was like a circle. I was rounding, 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 rounding. Um, and sometimes it's necessary to work through processes and sometimes it can lead to connect to connection. Um, but for me, it came sort of almost the go-to method of feeling closeness. And uh, that's something I'm learning that that there's other ways to feel close. Um, and for me, it was actually painful and a bit scary to see. I have kind of a hard time to really, or I had to learn to really just land in the simple goodness of a relationship. Just it's now it's just good <laughs> it's been <laughs> good for weeks or months or years is that possible so because uh, for many years it hasn't it hadn't been possible for me so accepting that it can also be good and not like over analyzing over processing so do you have ex-partners or ex-relationship that maybe were a bit fed up with all this tantric uh, processing yeah, I was in a relationship once where it was forbidden to uh, uh, set the timer with a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off with your inquiries. <laughs> I can I can imagine because it can be, I mean, you call it an addiction, but it can also be something that you're really passionate about. Uh, same for me. I'm really uh, interested now in doing these inquiries and sharing. But if someone is not on the same page, then maybe it's not a good match. Uh, so in your current relationship, do you feel you have the same level of interest in these processes? Um, it's difficult to uh, for me to acknowledge that I'm with a woman who is, if possible, more fanatic than I am. <laughs> um, so now all of a sudden, I was the one who was going on retreats, me and trainings, but now she's the one who is always away. Um, no, who is often away. I'm making a bit of a joke about it, but now I feel that we are very... Uh, we what i'm very grateful for that currently we have a beautiful balance between just living life enjoying the simple goodness um and sometimes when we bump into stuff then we can work through processes but we sort of have a set time or create a container for that um so that's also okay we do that and then it's also done and um it's not the major modus of connecting but I would yeah. say we're quite balanced uh, and uh, equal, which is a big, big joy. Uh, that's that's amazing. I think when you're equal as a Tantra teacher, that's very important. So um, many people, when they think about Tantra, they think about open relationships. I have never been in an open relationship myself, but I have been uh, reading a bit about it. So I read the book, The Ethical Slot. It was actually recommended uh, by another uh, guests in the soul kitchen and the book um, 
talks about that society celebrates monogamy and celebrates commitment for life and kind of uh, treats having sex with multiple people as a taboo. Um, and I'm also going to retreat uh, called ESTA, International School of Temple Arts, a community that also celebrates maybe openness in, in sexual relationships. Are you currently in an uh, open relationship? And what's your view on open relationships? Yeah. Um, I think it's great for people to be able to explore it uh, and to live it if that's that's their treat. Um, I'm currently in a monogamous relationship. Um, and what was interesting to see that in the first months of us getting together, first I thought, you know, let's be a little bit open. You know, we can have... Uh, maybe not penetration with other people, but if you really want to kiss with another guy or uh, have some genital massage, I can feel space for that. It's okay for me. The joy of seeing her enjoying that would satisfy me. So there is a part of me that, for which that is true. I would really uh, enjoy that. But what I realized is that actually there's also another part in me and that's a part that actually does feel jealous hurt insecure um, and what i came to notice is that many times i've um, let the first part so the part that feels very open and very stable and secure let that part define the boundaries which sort of pressed my small boy insecure boy a little bit under the rug and um, so what we as a sort of an experiment is, or is like, let's see how that goes. Uh, try it out as something that we called radical monogamy that to really f for a couple of months, see like, what if we have every sexual energy within the two of us? So no practices with other people where we exchange uh, sexual energy, no play with other people with, uh, uh, with foods or with 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 touching to really create sort of the most safe <laughs> container that is possible and what was interesting for me to see that actually that part of me that feels insecure found the security to show itself a little bit more and um, what i also learned is that i manage this pain away i have been managing this pain away very often with openness to not feel this hurt, I will have several contacts all around. Um, to not feel the fear of being lonely, I will have several contacts all around. Um, so for me, it was very healing to have this period of really strict m monogamy. To also see what it does. Because my fear was also that I would uh, uh, be very frustrated. And I thought, oh, that's going to be boring, you know. Then I'm a Tantra festival and there's only one girl I can be intimate with instead of like going around as a butterfly but the surprising thing was it was the one of the most satisfying and fulfilling experiences that i had because there was such beauty in the devotion to one woman and one lady and really um feeling my love for that as well and also to see the effect in her that she was like poof blossoming in her coolness um in that relationship and and with that i stepping more into my king and, um, i'm not saying that it is impossible in an open relationship i just said 
say that for me and for us, it really helped to for a period be in this super uh, monogamous setup. Mm. And slowly I'm feeling um, we're transitioning to a new phase. Because for me, it gives a lot of tension to be afraid to, oh shit, if I am dancing with this girl, is it going to be sexual or not? Um, um, do I feel arousal coming up? Oh shit, I should stop it. So it gives also a lot of tension in my body to have to be aware of, is this in the boundary or not? Um, and that's something that we are uh, that we're talking about right now, how we want to approach that. So maybe we will open up a little bit more in the future. So different phases of the relationship, you can have different kind of agreements with each other. Yes, for me, that feels very natural to, um, yeah, to grow also in it. But first really feel like, how is it to be monogamous? And then from that space, grow maybe into more openness. But maybe we like monogamous and we stay for in that way for ever and ever until <laughs> death do us part <laughs> and what's your idea on um on a living uh, life let's say your physical uh, living situation because i think you're going to live in a in a community yeah that's something we're exploring mm. how does that look like yeah so for me um uh, it feels a little bit strange it to see that I am living in an apartment in Tamport and that I like my basis is I live alone and I have to move to my friends uh, to be together. And uh, for me, what feels the most natural is that multiple families that sort of share certain values, um, they can grow up together and bring up kids together and help each other out with babysitting in little jobs on the house and the gardens and celebrate together um, for me if what i see as a big cause of the um, yeah the hunger for more stuff for more travels for more beautiful things cars jobs careers is actually a longing for home for homecoming and unsettledness in our state of mind that we try to fill up with, I don't know, going to Bali and do another retreat there and another thing there. Um, so I lived in uh, uh, on a farm in the, in the jungle for a couple of months in the Caribbean. And there I felt like I feel more fulfilled that I've been in, than I've been in Amsterdam um, for years like i've been living in amsterdam for 10 years and i was always on the hunt for the next big thing and then for a couple of months on that farm i felt like this is it i don't need anything else i'm just chopping down a coconut and we're having we make music around the campfire and we sing and we dance and life for me in its simplest form is the most fulfilling and um, what really helps with that is to live together in community for it so that's something i'm uh, i'm keen to explore if that's really uh, possible and how that would work and it's based it's a nature-based community right yeah. what, what are the what are the principles of the community we're currently in that phase of getting to know each other deeper and figuring out what are actually the 
the principles of how do we want to live together. Um, I feel that's something that has to emerge from within the group. So we cannot, yeah, we can think about it and write up something that sounds nice on paper, but it really has to be born and it is being born as it is. So I think in a year from now, I can say a bit more about it. So it's still in the, in the, in the process. I think living in community can be uh, very inspiring, but it can also be challenging, right? Because mm. it can be pretty uh, intense. Yeah. I lived in a community in Costa Rica for six weeks. And I also already noticed how intense it can be because you're always interacting with each other and you can't escape each other. But I can imagine that it's also a very inspiring way to uh, to live. With this podcast, I always like to connect people uh, as well. So if people are listening uh, to this episode and they're curious to work with you or to join you on one of your adventures, maybe it's nice if you share a bit your current uh, offering or your current activities at a more practical level so how can people work with this with a community or with in general my work no i actually meant more as a tantra teacher i know you're doing journeys in norway you're doing like couples days like what are you yeah. actually offering so my main line of business is is one-on-one therapy trajectories mm-hmm. um, so from monday to friday people come to my house and we dive into uh, the depth the program is called deeper um and people come with questions like hey i am in a loving relationship um but the sex has been dwindling for years how are we going to do it or i keep having dysfunctional relationships what's going on or i am running a company um on the surface, it's going very well, but actually I'm running around with a lot of fear and tension of and pressure to perform. So in this trajectory, we dive into, okay, what's the core wound that is actually driving all that dysfunctional behavior? And um, I work with a method called Feeding Your Demons, which is a therapy method based on gestalt therapy. I don't know if you know it, but we feel in the body where you hold, for example, this anger or this fear. And then we ask your um, your subconscious mind to present an image from it. Like if this would be a being with arms and legs and how would it look? And that you place on a pillow in front of you. So you can dialogue with it. Why are you so angry? Why are you so afraid? Um, and then you can also ask, hey, what do you actually need? Maybe you are angry and you want to hit somebody in the face, but what you actually need is safety or belonging. Um, so that's... That, the work I do in my one-on-one uh, sessions. I give couples workshops, indeed, for people who are interested in how to deep their, deepen their relationship. Um, and a major thing is uh, our trips to Norway. We go in the summer two weeks, one for men only and one for men and women, uh, into the woods where we do some in-depth shadow work and nature connection, but then in the wilderness. And I think... The trips to Norway, they're called the hero's journey based on the work of uh, Joseph Campbell. Uh, What I like about the hero's journey in Joseph Campbell is that I feel in your life, you can uh, have this circle multiple times. Mm. For instance, I had it when I started my first business. I was really scared. But then when I uh, 
answer to the call for adventure suddenly people come to support you because they're also starting businesses and they refer you to investors and they say hey i heard you have a travel company i also know someone in the travel industry before you know it you're in a new field i feel with soul kitchen was also coming out into a new theme so i'm also now in this new hero's journey um but i would like to join your hero's journey but i want to attend a father-son retreat mm. uh, because that's where the real magic happens, right? Because you can go go on retreats, but if you don't align it with your family, I don't know if you if you integrate it enough. So are you ready already uh, for a father-son retreat? I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, and I definitely, what you just shared, like, hey, the, I don't know, the, the phrasing, but but the real deal is where are you with your family i think that counts for me too like when i f- can feel expensive and wide and loving uh, yeah with all m- nice people on the tantra retreat that's one but how am i on christmas evening um, and how am i holding how i'm getting triggered and how am i acting out my grudges or um finding a nourishing way to bring them in i think that's important and um yeah uh father-son trips i i think are amazing um i don't think i would uh, bring my 30 what is it 73 year old dad to the norwegian woods i think that would be a bit a bit of a stretch for him physically um so smaller ways of of doing this would be great yeah so how would what would you like about it um i'd like to enter this space of of tantra and being in the present moment and share communicating my feelings with my dad because I feel I've practiced a lot but sometimes when I'm at home it's difficult to apply or there's a different space and I feel it's important for me to um, to connect with my dad at a different level because sometimes we stay in the mind or we stay in the rationality you're like hey how are you doing how's it going with your business so I like to enter uh that yeah space yeah why why how would it nourish you yeah i think uh, when i was 23 we did a train uh ride together a trans-mongolian train from amsterdam to beijing which which was already a fantastic experience oh yeah but i feel i'm discovering new parts of myself um while doing this tantric work and one of the topics that has come back I've already shared it multiple times with you, but when I was one, uh, we had this car accident in which he lost his wife and I lost my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom was also pregnant at the time. So it was a big event for the family. And I'm really happy that he remarried and I have like a brother and sister from like the second marriage. But I feel that topic, it pops up more recently or the past years that I'm trying to to see what role that plays in my life. And I feel in a retreat space, we can connect around such a topic. And of, co- of course, we talk about it in, in normal life as well. But sometimes if if other people hold this space, we're in nature and you're with other father sons, you can really connect around it. Yeah. yeah. Um, How would it be for your dad? So would you I invite- open to it or also a bit uh, scared? I invited him to a breathwork session and he really uh, liked it. Uh, but the breathwork teacher 
uh, made an error in the agenda, so we couldn't go. It was supposed ah. to happen last week. Um, so I still want to do that. But I think my dad will be really open for it. But there could also be a bit of a reluctancy, like, oh, but we already have a good relationship. Why do we need to do it? So there could be a bit yeah. of a reluctancy. Yeah. But that's, I think, why it's beautiful, because it will probably deepen the relationship. But there's also a little bit of a reluctancy for me, like, oh, why should we do that? Or uh, there's so many things to do in life. So I think we can easily overstep it. But that's, I think, why it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very delicate dance that you describe. Like, where are you actually trying? Because something I realize in myself is that I'm sometimes still trying to make my dad into the man I always, the father I always wanted and longed for to have. So that while I think I'm bringing in my open desires what i'm actually doing is trying to manipulate him to fulfill my ideal image of a father Um, because when he is perfect i don't have to feel um, my loneliness or my existential hole or something like that so that's something always that i try to be aware of when i do things with my father or my family like where am i really meeting them as they are with, with showing what I think is nourishing or a meaningful time to spend a way to spend our time and where am I actually trying to fix them or to improve them so that they will fit my ideal um, and that's something that uh, of course brings a lot of tension in the relationship if you try to fix people or make them fit your ideal that's not love in my experience yeah, that's a good point because for me it will be a way of yeah making him interested in this work and at the same time i feel it it could be a beautiful space to to connect and i'll, yeah. I'll be curious to see what themes pop up yeah so can i ask you a personal question yeah how would it be if your dad wouldn't like what you do and doesn't feel so much interested. In. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 something that I would like to accept and embrace. And um, and I would need to 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 search more validation in me and and stop trying to get the validation from my dad. Because um, sometimes I want. Um, I'm still looking for the validation of my dad in in this space I'm now working in. Mm. Um, so how would it be? Initially, there will be a bit of a disappointment, but there could also be an acceptance. Like, oh, we just have different interests. Yeah. Like he likes yeah. to play music. Um, yeah. 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 I think this is a beautiful insight that... that um... You can only make this, bring in this request to your dad in sort of a f- sense of freedom. Um, yeah, if you feel really in, hey, where, where am I actually looking for validation? And uh, um, yeah, so it's beautiful to hear you about your awareness on that. Because how is it for you? Would you be interested in doing this with your dad, or? or... Um. 
For me, currently not. I'm, as I feel what I'm, where I'm at with my dad is that I'm trying to meet him as he is and how he is, and that I, I, I see myself uh, applying a lot of subtle improvement plans, um, <laughs> and like, hey, you should read this book, or maybe you should this or do this, um, in a way hoping that he would then be able to meet me more and i see it as my own work to do that first to feel my longing for acknowledgement and, and belonging first and not um yeah putting that into his basket of responsibilities mm. yeah it's it's a very interesting uh, topic i also discussed it with other people that the longing for validation of or oh my parents don't really understand me it can it all comes back to you right or to myself like why do you mm -hmm. want them in the first place yeah yeah exactly and not to say that you that it is wrong to want to go on a retreat with your dad it's just what is it's an interesting topic what is all where is this desire coming from yeah yeah it might be it, very often is a mix of both yeah that's why tantra is so interesting right it always comes back to your to finding your true desires it always comes back to you finding your true <laughs> desires. yeah that's true so we yeah. talked a lot about many um uh, topics already if you look back at um your tantric path and your teachings and all your experiences because soul kitchen is also about sharing recipes for the listeners for mm -hmm. life how would you summarize kind of your experience and what recipe would you like to share with the listener? Hmm. Yeah, for me, there's only one path and that's the path of truth. So yeah, my recipe would be, can I be um, more truthful in this moment? And uh, sometimes I use the phrase, what do, I, what do I know to be true that I not yet dare to acknowledge? What do I know to be true that I not yet dare to acknowledge? Um, but sometimes we just try to hide like some painful truths for ourselves. And uh, I take that as out of a, a compass, a compass course. Um, and that brings in many fields in love and relationships and work um, brings out such more depth and connection and love. So that would be my recipe for, for life, I think. And if a listener wants to apply this truth in their own lives, like how can someone practically start? With this question, I would say, what do we know to be true? Yeah. And um, then also um, look into the body with that. So there's a mind understanding of what do you know to be true, but also what do I feel to be true? And... Um, can I, in each moment, connect to my body what's actually happening there? Where am I contracting? Because sometimes with some people, in some relationships, you think you have a very good relationship, but actually you feel your whole body is contracting. Um, so what do I feel to be true that I don't yet dare to acknowledge? Might also be a good one. Well, thank you for sharing your uh, wisdom, Shores. It was a pleasure to reconnect. I'm here, man. And um, thanks to everyone for listening. I um, 
hope to see you soon again and um, have a great day. Okay, bye-bye.